You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer, Mark Alderman, and Jim Schultz. Guys, happy Saturday. It's a dreary Saturday here in Bethesda. But uh, Jim, I know... Sun is shining in Tulsa, though, Howard. So Tulsa, yes. <laughs> Sitting here with CNN on, uh, looking at pictures of uh, people going into the arena in Tulsa. Very exciting for you, Jim, I'm sure. Yeah, it's going to have a packed house, I'm sure. So, guys, interesting get, week. Jim, could you not get a ticket? Is that why you didn't go? Mark, I'm in Cape May. I understand. I, I'm a little disappointed. I was hoping for some live coverage of the I super just, spreader. I just came event. off the golf course and I'm in Cape May. Not, not, nothing else needs to be said for, there. For once, I agree with you, Jim. <laughs> so, guys, interesting week. Um, let's talk about the rule of law. Uh, Mark, good week or bad week for the rule of law good in week. this country? Good week. Good week for the rule of law. Supreme Court issued two landmark decisions. A judge this morning issued a, a third. Good week for the rule of law, notwithstanding the president being on the other side of all three cases. Courts read the law, applied it judiciously, and it, it was a good week uh, for the rule of law, good week for the country. Jim, it, how, do you, how do you see things? little down note with the u.s attorney in new york last night but i'm sure you're coming to that Howard. yeah we'll, well, get, to, we'll get to that yeah. but I, but i think you know i think it's i think I agree with mark on the two decisions coming out of the supreme court i mean we're not going to have much disagreement on that in terms of how things came out i think gorsuch got it right i don't think he twisted himself in order to you know be a textualist i think he saw i think he you know applied the law in a way that he said he was going to apply the law when he was confirmed, and he came out with the right result. I think it's a good week for not just rule of law, but the Constitution generally, and also politically. Like, look at the judges siding with the liberal wing of the court on those two decisions. Roberts yeah. on both, Gorsuch on one. It's It shows that just because a Republican president appoints a justice doesn't mean that they toe the line for the, you know, for their tenure on the court. It's people should, should be a wake up call for people in a lot of ways. I mean, Neil Gorsuch did exactly, Justice Gorsuch did exactly what he said he was going to do in confirmation, which was not be guided by a result oriented way of thinking through a case. And he wrote the opinion as such. I think he did a fantastic job with it. I think he stayed true to himself, true to the Constitution, and true to the country. Now, Jim, could not agree more. Very happy to hear you say and all that. I think people who think that Neil Gorsuch is going to continue to frustrate Donald Trump may be disappointed. I think it's what you said. He Anybody who, who paid attention could have predicted this, but all the same, it's a good result, as Howard's saying, because when judges do their job and don't blow in the political wind, 
that's a good thing. Uh, Brady, Brady obviously, agrees. Brady <laughs> agrees. But also, let's let's look at each decision just for one minute, if we may. Look, the the country is a better place without discrimination in the workplace based on uh, sexual orientation. So it it's a good result. Gorsuch didn't do it to get to a result. I agree with you, Jim. He did what he said he would. But the country is a little bit more equal today than it was on on Sunday, I guess, before the decision. And and that's a good thing. It is. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Guys, that's life in quarantine. You can't control <laughs> you can't control the uh, environment, let's just say. Brady is pro-equal justice under he's, the law. He's part <laughs> yeah. of our podcast. He's you a regular it. guest. I yeah. thought he was supporting textualism. Yeah. Now, the DACA decision, <laughs> the DACA decision is interesting. It was a good decision. Again, that one was 6-3, not even 5-4. It was a rebuke of not the policy of the Trump administration, but of the Trump administration mishandling its efforts to change the policy. But we still got a deal with DACA. That was a reprieve, not, yeah. not a solution. And again, Jim, I think the country's better off with that result and with that issue still ahead of us instead of yeah but they got to be grown-ups in washington i agree with you 100 percent, mark but the there needs to be grown-ups in washington in particular i have to say in the and, I, and i'm not going to take a partisan stance on this in congress generally that yeah. that there needs to be adults in the room to deal with immigration reform in a real way so that you know we're not fighting this through the courts because we don't need to be no. doing it in the courts if washington would do its job well, and that's the point. All the court did was send it back to Congress and say, this is still a mess and you guys need to do your job and figure it out. It's been a while. It's been a while since that Senate bipartisan bill was sent over to the House where it was dead on arrival back in the uh, Boehner days, Jim. But but we shall see. I don't think between now and November 3rd, it's going to get fixed. I, I just wish that we could roll back the tape on these confirmations and and the opposition. Look, I, I personally am liberal on social issues. Is You and I are in the same place on social issues, Mark. But generally speaking, anyway. Generally, but yeah, I wouldn't overstate that. But generally. Yeah, I may be left of you. Um, um, that's another podcast hour, but, um, I think Brady is left of me. No well, comment. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I wish I could roll back the tape. This goes for both sides of the aisle and play the opposition to just chief justice Roberts mm -hmm. and look at the decisions Look at where he's come down on some of the most important rulings. I just wish that people would bottle that up and factor it in and think about that when you're going through stuff. Again, on both sides, the same thing on the yeah. other side of the aisle. It's well, there is no reason to tear apart the country every time we have a new Supreme Court justice nominated. And that's what's happened as of recent. And it's a shame. I mean, even with Gorsuch, you saw, I mean, obviously with Kavanaugh, you saw it, it, it 
times 100. But with Gorsuch, you saw it as well. And, you know, there may be another one coming up. There may not be another one coming up in the, in the near future. Who knows? But I, I just I hate to see the country get torn apart when you have lawyers and judges being nominated like Gorsuch. And, you know, I had I had the opportunity to spend some time with him when he was going through the process. And you're not going to find a finer jurist and a finer person. And it's well, a shame the politics of, you know, ruining reputations has to factor into these these judicial nominations. Agreed. Once again, I think the three of us all agree. We wish you could turn down the temperature on judicial nominations on both sides. It isn't important anymore how to, uh, which was the chicken, which was the egg. You can't unscramble this omelet, whether it was Bork and Ted Kennedy who did this to the process, whether it was Merrick Garland and Mitch McConnell who did this to the process. The process is now at a low point in, in American history. What does this mean for, for the fall? Because, I mean, the reaction to the two cases, I mean, it definitely fires up the right wing of the Republican Party. There's no question about that. Well, you have the president saying that the Second Amendment people will take care of it, whatever that means. but. Both sides are plenty fired up. I, I don't see this as having November consequences. I see it as being a good week, and we'll see if we can put together two in a row. But I, I don't think these decisions have, uh, to me, electoral consequences in November. Impossible to fire up the base anymore. Just look at that CNN screen there on Trump's side. And I don't see people on the other side saying, well, okay, maybe Supreme Court justices aren't that big a deal. So, all right. Let's but I think the courts do. I think they are still going to matter in the election. I don't think these decisions have a lot to do with it, but I think you will see them matter more in the election cycle. Yeah. It's just like they did the last yeah. time. It does energize a segment of the population on both sides. And the exit polling the last time, I mean, it was unbelievable the way Trump played that post-primary. Didn't need to put out a list. But post-primary, put out a list of justices. And then in the, in the exit polls, that was a driving factor in the election. 100%. Especially on your side, Jim. You and he know. said he's doing the same right. thing yeah. in September. He's putting out a new list of judges. And we'll see. So let's move to what happened overnight in new york with the u.s attorney jim give us your thoughts my thoughts are the the u.s attorney and you know sits at the pleasure of the president uh there is legal precedent that the president can let him go the attorney general can't let a u.s attorney go who's been appointed by the bench like berman was but let's not forget berman wasn't just appointed by the bench that was in consultation with the white house he was a White House pick at the end of the day. The president has every ability to let him go if he wants to. Putting a guy like Jay Clayton in is, you know, he's of impeccable reputation, has done a great job at the SEC. He'd be a great nominee. You're seeing a little pushback on him. But Craig Carpenito in New Jersey is equally up to the task, and he's been installed in there as acting. Um, 
I have no problem with that. I mean, we went through that during the, I was in the justice department um, during the Bush years when a lot of that took place. And I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't have any problem with it. They serve at the pleasure of the president. They, they work for the attorney general. He, he has the right to who, have who he wants in place. They're subject to confirmation. And he already has a presidentially confirmed U.S. attorney running the office. The difference between that and what happened in the Bush years was that what Gonzalez did then was blatantly political, but it wasn't George Bush's associates were not under investigation by the offices where he fired people. President can the bad the president can discharge a U.S. attorney for any reason or no reason, but not a bad reason. And the suspicion, of course, is that this is for a bad reason. It's a bad look. The appearance is bad, even if the substantive motive wasn't. I think we all know, at least I believe the substantive motive motive was bad. But like everything else, Jim, that this White House does, forget for just a moment whether it was right or wrong in concept, we now have a mess on our hands Lindsey Graham, I don't know if you saw his statement. You were probably on the uh, 17th uh, tee. No, I saw it. But he's not, he wasn't consulted. He said he's going to let New York senators blue slip the appointment. So where, where are we? Well, right. They're going to, well, we are with a presidentially appointed and confirmed U.S. attorney running the office in Craig Carpenito from New Jersey. So I don't believe there is a mess in chaos here. The Justice Department is going to chug along just fine. That office is going to chug along just fine. I have every confidence that what Bill Barr said, that those that whatever investigations are, are moving along or are going to continue to move along, the, and the Justice Department is going to operate the way it has. I have total confidence in Bill Barr. As you know, I respect him greatly. Um, I believe this was a Bill Barr call at the end of the day that the president had to make because of an office of legal counsel opinion that doesn't allow Barr to let Berman go. And I think when it, when it comes down to it, I would caution folks from jumping to conclusions early on this one. Why did they do it? I, I don't know, but I, I, I'll have to tell you, I think folks need to, when Bill Barr lets someone go, and look, the president could have ordered him to do it or done it himself. He didn't. Bill Barr did it. And well, at the end of the day, he needed the president's help because of the Office of Legal Counsel opinion. But I don't know why he did it, Mark, but I wouldn't jump to conclusions that it was a motive that related to Michael Cohen or Rudy Giuliani. And by the way, Berman has a longstanding relationship with Rudy Giuliani. So, and there, and there was all kinds, if you remember, there was all kinds of eyebrows raised over Berman's relationship with Rudy Giuliani early on. Well, I think we'll find out more. I don't expect to learn it was for a good reason. I don't expect to learn it was for no reason. I think the suspicion that over half the country has is that it was to somehow impede or interfere with these investigations. But we don't know that today. And and I'm willing, Jim, to roll that ahead until we know it, because we all know that's what we're going to learn when yeah we're going to learn what comes happened. out. There was another decision though that Howard is worth is worth a minute, and that was the decision on the Bolton book. 
because John Bolton is, <laughs> these are the times we live in where John Bolton and Jim Comey and Jeff Sessions become people that the Democrats are behind because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I got no love for John Bolton. He's a bad guy. He didn't stand up for his country when he could have. But we had a judge this morning saying that he can publish this book. And I think it's the right decision. And I think it's another example of the, of the courts doing their job. We'll see what the appeals court. I don't know the case well enough, Mark. And I don't think we know what the sensitive information is. You think it's a good thing because you probably think there's going to be no, some no. partisan. No, I think it's a good thing Trump. because but, what the uh, administration stood in front of the judge and said was, it's all a pack of lies, but it's top secret lies, and therefore you can't publish it. That, yeah, I mean, look. That's not a compelling case well, to me. We'll, Plus see, it's what, out. we'll see what the appeal court says. And look, I also agree with you and have never been a big John Bolton fan from day one when he was nominated. That was a head scratcher for me from day one. So we can agree yeah, there. Yeah. I will say this. I don't know that uh, Senator Schumer and Speaker Pelosi are, are listening, Howard. I don't know if there are usual uh, guests in the audience. It sounds like we have some seagulls in but, Cape May listening. <laughs> we do have well, Jim, if you could like send one of those seagulls to the Capitol in Washington, ask that seagull to tell Schumer and Pelosi, do not subpoena Bolton. Do not go down that rabbit hole again. Nobody They're cares. They're not going to be in Nobody cares. <laughs> Let's Listen. get on with the business of the They're country. They're not going to be able to help. The no, problem man. I have with Bolton, like their middle name. The problem with Bolton is that he was, he was an enabler, and he was he didn't do any of the stuff while he was in the job. Right, he took right. the job. I mean, and praised the president yeah, he's the whole just way through. Trying to sell books, and and Jim, I will I will join you in in regretting that the House subpoenas. Bolton, if that's where we end up, it's just such a sideshow. Enough circuses. God, I, re I remember being, we, we did a dinner in Philadelphia for a bunch of clients. It must have been like May or June of 2017. Reince Priebus was still the chief of staff wow. in the White House. And the, the whole God. discussion was how long you know, the initial crew of people would last. And here we are three years later. Who even remembers Reince Priebus Reince being Priebus. in the White House? It feels like ancient up. history. I, and John no, Kelly. I remember you being in the White House, Jim. Yeah. I'm honest to God, forgetting the name of the first press secretary. What was that guy's name? Sean, Sean Spicer, Spicer, your friend, Sean Spicer. Oh, Saturday Night oh, no, Live. I'm sorry. I know you've been stars. dancing with them pre-COVID. I know you and Sean danced together. But but yeah, you can't even remember the first the first cast of characters. We've had three secretaries of defense, maybe in three years, maybe four, I can't remember. We've had three or four press secretaries, four, I think, chiefs of staff. Well, yeah, <laughs> national not security mention, advisors. Not to mention Jim's personal friend and one of our favorites, Howard the Mooch. 
and his mooch. eleven day tenure. The mooch is mooch has a restaurant. Give give credit where credit is due. The Hunt and Fish Club is actually a good restaurant, but the Mooch tweeted about our friend and colleague Patrick Martin this week because the Mooch is introducing Patrick and a couple of other people on a cannabis panel this week. I should, I'm going to promote Wednesday. it. I should have the Wednesday, date Wednesday. There, 24, 1 p.m. I'm, I'm okay. going to be on the ferry. I'm sorry. I'll You'll be on it. the ferry, but the Mooch will be introducing Patrick at the Salt Conference and. Right and tweeted about it this week. So that's that's extremely exciting for Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. I'm a little late to the party on this, but I wanted to give a shout out. I'm, on, I'm almost a month late now. We had a Pennsylvanian, Mark, you might remember him, Ken Braithwaite, Pennsylvanian, nominated and confirmed as Secretary of the Navy, um, was the ambassador to Norway during the beginning of the administration. Just a little shout out to Ken as a congratulations another fellow Pennsylvanian and, you know, was, has been involved in Pennsylvania politics and served this country well in the Navy for so long. He just made the decision. Congratulations. Right. Now let's talk about what you did this week. Yeah. Ken. Well, that's what reminded me. <laughs> he made the decision this week not to reinstate Captain Crozier, who was removed, relieved of his command. I don't know what the, the technical terminology is for the USS Eisenhower, I think it was, um, where they had a, a, a run of COVID cases on board. Um, so he stepped Jim right into the right into the fire. Right into the fire, he'll handle it just yeah. fine. You know, I have every confidence that he'll handle it just fine. I've known it kind of long time and very but Jim, proud of what him. what so what is a, a second term? If Trump were to win a second term, I know Mark is shivering right now. I'm, I unplugged. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no what would that look like? I mean, he has gone through. So who's left to bring into an administration? Look, he still has. I mean, let's let's, you know, Kellyanne is still there. She's been there the entire time. Much of the press team is still there that was there at the beginning. Much of the political staff that was there at the beginning that haven't moved over to the campaign are still there from the beginning. The legislative team has shuffled around a little bit, but not not in any way controversial, normal turnover. So I, I don't buy into this. Hey, you know, some of the big names moved out. We got big personalities. You're going to have the, the Gary Cohns of the world, you know, Steve Bannons of the world. You're going to. Whenever you have that many big personalities in one front office, you're gonna have you're gonna have some turnover. So Jim, it's right? it's June twentieth. We've got um around four months until the election. Thirty six days, but in case you were counting, I but am. who's counting? No, I am counting. Um, Jim, days. Trump is trailing in the polls. So what are you? What are your thoughts on? his prospects. What, what do you think is going to happen? Just prognosticate. What do you think is going to happen? Look, Are I, you nervous? I mean, the, the national polls don't try, look, I, I, I'm not nervous. And at the end of the day, the national polls don't mean as much. We saw that in the last election, the Pennsylvania polls. I've seen some Senate district polls and some other things over time here that I, um, that look encouraging for Pennsylvania 
and it's a bellwether state and the key state for him to win. I think Florida and Ohio look really good for him right now. I think Pennsylvania is a toss-up, and it's going to be a toss-up to the end. But I think we win Pennsylvania, and, I, and notwithstanding the fact that Joe Biden has headquartered himself in Philadelphia and he had 10 people show up as the New York Times reported or something like that, maybe 20 people show up for his discussion last week on the in the Philadelphia suburbs, um, I, I think the enthusiasm gap is the biggest issue for him. And Mark and I both agree on this. It's turnout, turnout, turnout on election day. And if if Biden can catch fire and 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 bridge that enthusiasm gap, it's going to be a tough day. If Biden can't can't catch fire, and because we know Trumps doesn't have the issue with the enthusiasm gap. And the other thing I think that you have to think about, I think this defund the police thing, and I know Mark will jump and say, well, Biden said he wasn't for it. A lot of of Democrats are, and I think that's a way to pick up some votes in the suburbs because I think there's suburban folks, moderate Republicans, who wouldn't be Trump people and haven't been Trump people that are going to scratch their head a little bit on that as it relates to the Democratic Party and associate that with Joe Biden unless he's firm, and he hasn't been firm on anything. Well, again... 136 days, several lifetimes. I think if the election were held this Tuesday, Biden would win, Democrats would take the Senate, Democrats would keep the House. I think Trump is losing. I think Trump knows he's losing, but that does not mean he's going to lose because he has an absolutely rock solid, unshakable base. And they are enthusiastic, and every single one of them will vote. I think, Howard, we have your thunderstorm here now. You may hear in the background. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, We got all sorts of sound effects. We've got seagulls, dogs, uh, and thunder. The heavens were uh, responding to your prognostication of a second Trump term. That's what that thunder was. But, but yeah, Jim, you, you and I see it playing out the same way as a political process. It's a question of who gets, of who shows up to vote. More people don't want them than want them. If they show up, we win, he loses. But, but a whole lot of time, and we've said this before, I still believe notwithstanding uh, George Floyd and the demonstrations and the policing uh, movement, defund, reform, whatever the vocabulary, I still believe this is going to be a COVID election. I think it's going to be the economy stupid, but the economy stupid is a COVID economy. And we just don't know. We just don't know where we're going to be then. But but I do believe we couldn't be doing any better today than we are. Biden outraised Trump, the campaigns, not all the dark money, outraised Trump uh, 39 to 33 million in May. Unexpected. We didn't think that would happen. I think it'll happen again in June. More small dollar donors than the Trump campaign. There, There is... There so, is a pushback against the president going on right now in the country. Does it last 136 days? I hope so. 
But, of course, but it's know. turnout, but it's also turn in. There's going to be a lot of effort on both sides of the aisle to keep people at home, to um, disincentivize various categories of people not to vote, not to go to the polls. Well, um, you're talking about as a matter of persuasion, not suppression. I'm talking about persuasion. There is correct. an organized voter suppression effort always, of course, on Jim's side, not going to be on the Democratic side. We try to turn people out. But yeah, as a matter of persuasion. And sometimes you turn them out more and more times, right, Mark? Because there's maybe two or three times. <laughs> Jim, it's an, it's an imperfect it. process. It. It, Come out and vote it, for the whole family. It's an imperfect process. We know that. <laughs> but but yeah, there's this thing is going to be close. And it's going to matter if one side can convince people just don't bother coming out. And, and I started that this week. I've been talking to a group of guys up here. I won't throw them under the bus because you two know some of them. And they just couldn't stand Hillary. They voted for Trump. They are ultra alienated at this point, but they still are having a hard time getting there for Joe. And I've been advocating that they take a, a nice little break on November 3rd, maybe go to an island if things are reopened. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who shows up to vote is going to make, make all the difference. Yeah, this is going to drive people. Who elect- knows how yeah. we even vote? Drive like, can we even vote? What is, like, where are we turning out to? Where's the virus? How does that impact that, things? That's it's- exactly what I'm talking about. The virus yeah. is going to pick the president. And and the virus doesn't give a rat's ass, if I may uh, use that language in our podcast. Uh, <laughs> you just did. <laughs> I think I, I can get some Democratic judge somewhere, Jim, to say it's my First Amendment right. But yeah, the virus doesn't care. The, 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 more than most elections in our lifetime, I believe this one is. You're going to get a note from Michael Heller for that. This is out. Because he our, listens to our podcast. Let's well, see. This will be a test. It'll be, I don't know. He may have gone on strike when we missed his birthday a week or two ago. <laughs> but, but if you're, Shall we sing if you're listening, Michael, we love you. <laughs> Jim is going to sing. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, but it was a worthy interruption. It was a worthy interruption. Yeah. Let's, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's out. It's out of our hands, the, uh, the virus part. And we can go into the whole thing. And I'm happy, too, about Trump mishandling the virus. It's worse than it had to be and blood on his hands and the rest. But that isn't even what I'm talking about, Jim. I'm just talking about the state of the country on November 3rd. Well, we shall see. Guys, happy Father's Day to both of you. Happy Happy Father's Father's Day. Day. Happy Father's Day to Michael. We don't want this another occasion. (laughs) 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 To all of our listeners, and uh, we will be on next week. Thanks. See you guys. See you guys. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.